Okay, we're back for another episode of Emerge on Purpose podcast. Pete, I see that you're wearing um, something different than your traditional uh, uh, Hawaiian shirt or button down. Please share. <laughs> yeah. Well, the topic is top top three things you look for when you're hiring salespeople, right? That's what we're, that's what we're here to talk about today. That's right. Well, some salespeople I hired 15 years ago gave me this jersey as a gift. Okay. So if you if you can somehow clairvoyantly know ahead of time that the, the people you're going to hire are going to give you great gifts, then that's probably one of those things you're going to want to look for in a, okay. in a hire. <laughs> no, I but I, I do. In all serious, I do. A, I still have it 15 years later. I still wear it every every Sunday. So I want to thank that, that that technology sales team that got me this. It was very nice of them. Okay, to make a mental and, note and side emailing the team to get Pete a gift in the near future. No. Um, yeah, special shout out to Tim McCarran who led the charge on getting me this thing. So very special to me 15 years later. <laughs> oh gosh, that's good. Very cool. Well, hey, you know, sports, uh, athletes are competitive. Sales reps are competitive. Um, even if we know that... Uh, even if someone hasn't even had any sales experience, if we can talk to them and interview them and find that they've got a competitive bone in their body, that's a good sign. So uh, let's dive into actually, you you did a LinkedIn post a couple of weeks ago and it seemed like it got a lot of traction and what we think that this would be a good topic to dive into. We'll do, we'll do a quickie here, 15 minutes of three must-haves when hiring sales reps. So you hit on three different ones. Unfortunately, the whole try before you buy can't apply to salespeople. So <laughs> what can we do uh, to, to navigate the you know, interview process or um, when hiring to, to hit a home run? Awesome. Which one do we want me to hit on first? Let's talk about self-awareness, having high self-awareness on what motivates them. I think that's one that is a little counterintuitive to what a lot of people would say. Yeah, I I think there's internal motivation. There's external motivation. Those of us that are not micromanagers and want to actually play the role of coach and mentor and not just supervisor all the time, Mm. if, if we can get a sense for what their motivators are. And a lot of that comes from self-awareness. Their self-awareness is huge for a lot of different reasons. Like if you're, if you're a sales rep and don't have self-awareness and you can't see how the outside world is seeing you, and then you can't see how you see yourself, that that will lack, that will basically mean you've got probably a, not a lot of intellectual humility and you're, you, you're not going to know what to learn. You're going to end up camping a lot. You're not going to be a climber. So self-awareness is one of those underlying traits that that really helps with, with climbing because you know why, especially in terms of motivation. So that's a big one that we try to understand is it's, it's more making sure that they know their own why behind the what. Okay. And they'll willing to share it with you too, but actually in the beginning when there's not a lot of trust knowing that they know is, is, is a big deal. Yeah. I, I know that I've used some tools and assessments, which will uh, self-awareness 
And I think bringing it up sometimes surprises people like self-awareness. Like, what does that mean? That's like, well, clearly you don't have any if you don't know what self-awareness is. Um, and, and to me, it's the ability to look inward first, then pointing fingers or externalizing. Uh, and would, would you say that self-awareness is hardwired? It, it can be learned, I think. Okay. It, it can be sometimes there's this concept that's a medical term, but the scotoma concept. Mm. A lot of times we can't fix things if we don't know that it's an issue. Well, mm-hmm. if just as an example, like sometimes the self-awareness thing, it, there can be visual or auditory cues of things that, that happen. Like years ago, we had this client and in the training, she would literally yawn. Like, and I actually kind of took offense to it because I was the one doing the training. So I'm like, geez, am I that boring where she has to yawn like 15 times in an hour? And they weren't like little yawns. They were like yawns, you know, like the the arms up. And, and so I I actually went up to her and I, she she didn't even know she was doing it. She, so some of us, we can have self-awareness in some parts of our life and not in others. So none of us are perfect. We all have skitomas, but one yeah. skitoma we definitely don't want is a lack of self-awareness on what motivates us. That's kind of important for a salesperson. Yeah, that's very true. And I noticed that a lot of times those, that ego can get in the way there, right? Like if I've seen someone who's like highly has an ego who walks in an interview or calls and just you can tell by the tone or the body language or just the overall presence of how they might answer questions or interact. Usually it's going to, the case is going to be that um, the the self-awareness will be low. And I think that that just ties with their inability to ask for help or be vulnerable or just show that to your point, like not everyone's perfect. And whether you're leading, whether you're selling, doing both, that it's having self-awareness and knowing that is just the first first step in getting better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the self-awareness thing, I think it's almost more important that you know what your strengths are so you can, you can leverage them to the fullest. We also obviously want to know our weaknesses too, but people need to be able to articulate what they're good at and, and why they want to do it. So that's number one. What was number two? What do you want to go to do next? Behavior, behavior animals. So the notion of doing behavior, even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. My, my good friend and colleague, Jeremy McDowell says that you ever put on a pair of running shoes and you want them to turn into walking shoes, but (laughs) you actually still do the run and you always feel better when it's done. You don't necessarily feel good before you do it. And we, we joke all the time about the phone weighs 500 pounds. Now with new sales reps entering the workforce that barely use phones because the text thing, the phone weighs like a million pounds. So whatever the right behavior is for the role that you're in, making sure that you, you do the behavior, massive action, as my friend Mike Jones likes to talk about. We want massive action. You can sell yourself out of a lot of problems. You can behave yourself out of a lot of problems. The only way you fail is if you do nothing. So do a lot, fail a little, do a lot. 
Yeah, I had massive action at my desk for a while where, you know, you kind of like it before from working from home, like under where you have the little clear thing, it just said massive action. So yeah, love that from, from Mike Jones. Um, yeah, to me, it looked, it, it's kind of that sales motor. Do you have that motor that's always going and that's always fueled? And if you unpack that, it, it can look a bunch of different ways, but is that ambition and drive there? Is that fire under their belly? So it goes back to competition, right? Do they have that desire that want to win? Yeah, absolutely. Now you can see why the first one's so important because without the first one, you're probably not going to do the second one. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That's why I wanted to start there. Yeah. Just that, that want to win the, the, the take action. So you just do what it takes to get the job done. That, that, that massive action, just you're, you're yeah. going to um, move things to like controlling it, not just random activity that you're throwing against the wall, but controlling it towards the close, at least in a, in a self. Yeah. And, it, and it's self accountability, it's self control versus again, internally deciding that the behavior is important and doing it. I'm starting to realize, Lindsay, maybe the first two are a little bit self-serving because I don't like to micromanage. Is that what's going on here? Because <laughs> they're, they're self-motivated and they do stuff. That's go. what I want. So good. What's the third well, one? Yeah, well, about? hopefully, I mean, I guess this could be argued, but, you know, most people don't like to be micromanaged. I mean, do you really want to be work, uh, employing folks who like to be micromanaged? That might, you know, be, be a, a tell that is uh, not, not a good fit, right? Not a good culture fit. Right. Um, so yeah, the third one was the notion of keep climbing. So the ability to evaluate, reevaluate every day is that learning experience. The start stops. Yeah. Yeah. So the... When you we think about what a balanced life really is, is you, you, we all have comfort zones, but you don't want to go through life like just continually repeating what you did yesterday. That would be basically the definition of camping, like not going anywhere, not trying new things, not climbing. So there's got to be a path. There's got to be a journey. We've got two types of reps. One is, and I always, I, I tell the story a lot too, but one type of rep they say they have 20 years of experience, but actually they have one year of experience, 20 years in a row. Okay. They're camping. They're camping. They're, they've done, they've always done it this way and that's the way they're going to keep doing it. That's it. It's over. Okay. It's not the type of person that I would want on our team. So what's the opposite of that? They're, they're climbers. They're growing. They're constantly self-evaluating where they are, where they want to be. And they're professionally developing themselves so that they can keep going keep moving forward, keep helping themselves, helping the team, helping the company in that order, by the way, helping themselves, helping the team, helping the company. And if, if you have somebody that has that mindset because they're lifelong learners and they care about professional development, then that's somebody that will keep growing because the job you hire somebody for is not the job they're going to be doing in, in six months. So how do you guard against that? 
Well, you got to find out if they're willing to, to self-develop. So to me, those are three foundational things that, that we want when we're helping our clients hire people or people that would end up being on our team. Yeah, that last one is, is such a big one. It makes me also think of some of the folks in our training classrooms, right? The, the 20 years of experience, but um, only, uh, yeah, 20 years in the field, but really only one year as a rep and they kind of just sitting there with their arms crossed. You can't tell me anything new. And, uh, but to your point with hiring as well, it's, it's being not only open to new ideas, but open to change. Organizations change, change is the only constant. So to me that, uh, your mindset about change, how you view change and see it as an opportunity as well as, uh, celebrating friction too. I was just listening to a, a podcast actually, uh, Simon Sinek, where he had a guest on where when they celebrate friction or find friction, sorry, it's called the sparkle because you always are going to learn something new when there's some sort of friction. And so how do you know that in your climb, you are going to have friction, you are going to have change, you are going to have obstacles, but you're learning uh, along the way. That's just so important to our culture. And, and from what our clients tell us, their culture, too, you know, forward thinking. Yeah. I, I mean, we're frankly a, a firm that assists organizations with professional development re- related to revenue generation. So <laughs> obviously we care that, that they want to learn because if not, then they're going to become the it. nice refresher people that are in the trainings that the, the person you just described, that's, that's how I, that's what I would call them. Like, Oh, a nice refresher, which basically means that they, they should have been doing it and forgotten. We just reminded them of that. That's not, not people we want to hire, obviously, because you can't coach them because they're not changing. They're not growing. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, the, like the training quotient, I once called it where it's like afraid to change, make excuses, back to the self-awareness that we started with. Um, Beautiful. Any uh, last bonuses you want to throw in when it comes to hiring? Well, things to avoid or things to look out for. Probably should do another podcast on this alone, but the biggest mistake we see organizations make is they overvalue experience in the interview process, which usually looks like interviewing the resume. Oh, tell me about this job. Tell me about that job. Tell me about this job. And then they think it's cool. And they ask an experiential question, which which is cool, frankly, but that, that only defines what they did, not necessarily what they're willing to do. Sure. So there's a big difference there too. So can they do it versus will they do it? You want to interview for the, will they do it part? Okay. Those three things we just mentioned that's really what you're trying to get to is the will they do it part. And there's, there's ways to, to, to understand that in, in a very quantitative and qualitative way by using assessment tools, things like that. But there's also interview strategies. We have a concept called the search model that helps define things beyond experience. So there's a lot there, a lot to do in the hundreds of reps I've hired and maybe thousands that have helped clients hire. Not easy, not easy to do. But those are three I would definitely put on the top of your list. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the search model. And, and that's, I would say, the second thing 
people lack is a success profile for each job that they're trying to hire for. And so sure, experience matters, but what are the other things that you're interviewing for and looking for beyond just a resume or looking on LinkedIn? What are those skills? What are those attitudes? Um, what are the results that they've had in the past? Even like we said in the beginning, sometimes you are going to be hiring someone who maybe doesn't have sales experience, but what can you gain from them that shows that they've got, they, they not just uh, can do it from what they say, but they will do it. And, and you can certainly do that with the right. And the right. Yeah. If you, the pond you're fishing in is literally a pond. If all you're looking at is experience, like let's look at the ocean. Okay. And if they're willing to learn, if they know what motivates them, if they're willing to do the hard things, the behaviors, then you, you can expand your candidate pool and likely get better candidates than you would have gotten otherwise if you just looked at experience. So tough riddle, well, tough puzzle, but a fun one to try to solve. Yeah. And, and we know that the cost of a bad hire is extreme. So making sure that you do it right on the the, the front end and and uh, assess out these these three items are, are going to be huge for a successful top talent uh, rep. And so awesome. Well, with that, I think we hit it. Another uh, 15 minute one as, as we promised. And um, any last words, Mr. Oliver? Until next time, Mr. Oliver. Until next time, enjoy the climb. <laughs> Rock and roll. Very good. See you next time, yep. everyone.